Hey there, true believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that is all about seeking Jesus on deeper theological levels, because he is worthy of all of our devotion. where this season we've been looking at the real world of Jesus's history, his culture, his time, and particularly in the last couple episodes, his masterpiece sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. I am again joined by our prestigious co-host, Dr. Professor PJ. Good to be here, Vinny. <laughs> I like to give you like this real good sportscaster intro, John. But we have been enjoying the most important sermon of Jesus. We we're in a third part of it, right? Yes, uh, we have been talking about uh, Jesus's magnum opus, right? This Sermon on the Mount, and we started looking at his beatitudes, and then we started looking into his sermon, and we noticed this pattern, right, where where everything that Jesus teaches in his sermon echoes back to those eight beatitudes right at the beginning of his sermon. And so the beatitudes help us interpret what Jesus is saying in the sermon. So we've been kind of going through this journey uh, through this sermon, uh, trying to understand what Jesus was really trying to teach us as they echo back to the Beatitudes. Yeah, the first episode on the Sermon on the Mount, we really focused on the Beatitudes and their powerful message that is sometimes underplayed. And in our second part of the Sermon on the Mount, we began to look at how those Beatitudes actually apply thematically as we work through the chronological order of the Sermon on the Mount. And these episodes are released every two weeks. So it's good that we recap that because it's been, you know, if people are listening concurrent with us, then it's been a couple weeks. But if not, you can go back and check out the last two episodes and listen to them in bulk. Because this is a really cohesive message. This is a real, uh, you know, pinnacle idea within Christianity. Or maybe not. Maybe it should be, but it's not. Right? Maybe we have underplayed mm. the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And, and I think you're right, Vinny. When we, when we actually dig in to what Jesus is actually telling us in this Sermon on the Mount, um, it's so easy to try and maybe spiritualize what he's saying or try to kind of buffer mm. the, the impact of his words so that it's a little bit more digestible. Um, but Jesus came hard in this sermon um, and, and he did it on purpose. I mean, to say, just just to say, as we talked about in a previous episode, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, who are very righteous people, right, um, who essentially lived their life on righteousness, right? Their whole goal was their reputation, right? Yes, was built on this idea of being righteous. And Jesus is saying, unless you're better than them. Right, then you you have no, there is no chance of you joining us, right? Uh, in 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 this kingdom that we're trying to establish, so um, Jesus comes hard, and 
and and everything he says reflects this this idea of the kingdom of heaven is is not easy yeah i i think as theologians we don't believe in a canon within a canon we don't believe what we what do we mean by that we don't believe that there's one lens which we understand the bible through or one teaching in the bible that we understand the bible through but i also think in the same breath the sermon on the mount is the most central teaching of jesus and when we understand how hard he comes and when we understand what he comes after and when we understand how he flips the world as dallas willard said flies the airplane upside down <laughs> mm-hmm. right um when we understand how much jesus is flipping the tables not just in the temple <laughs> but in the whole political world mm-hmm. of second temple judaism which is really what he's doing right yeah it's not that it's a new canon within a canon or a new lens but it gives a structure an understanding of the larger teaching not necessarily atonement but the larger teaching mm-hmm. ministry of jesus in what he is trying to say to his time and by application to ours is the, you know i know i'm summarizing and we're we're, we're, we're going to focus in here i don't think we can understate the importance of the sermon on the mount in fact we could have taken a whole season just on this sermon Right. We, we really could have, you know, we're, we're kind of rushing through a lot of these these highlights of the sermon just to give people a taste of ah. the impact that Jesus was was trying to make um, right. with this sermon, because it's more than just a teaching. It's a way of life. It mm. is an it is an ethic. And it is a description of how we, as followers of Jesus, as pilgrims on our way uh, toward this kingdom that God is going to establish, this is how we should live. Right. Because it's it's the principles upon which this kingdom is built. We, we have likened it to the Declaration of Independence. We have yes. likened it to the Constitution of the United States. We have likened it to the Bill of Rights. But it's it's more because mm-hmm. it is of a kingdom that is not of this globe, right? Right. It is a political thesis, but not a political thesis in the way that we would think about it. It's about the politics of virtue mm. versus the politics of nations, right? right? How do I live ethically? How does my family live ethically? How does my village and my people live ethically? Not by the standards of the Gentiles, not by the standards of the Pharisees, not by the standards of the Sanhedrin, but by the standards of the Father in heaven. Yes. Right. And I really like the word virtue. And and when you really think about it, that's what the Beatitudes are. They are Mm. descriptions of the virtues by which those who live in God's kingdom live. Um, And so, you know, it's you could almost say, hey, uh, the virtue ethic that Jesus is trying to communicate here is built upon eight virtues and you can go back to the beatitudes and and unpack what those virtues are i really like that word the pharisees and the sadducees and the zealots and even the essenes they were waiting for a messiah to overturn rome to establish this new kingdom and essentially jesus is doing that with the sermon um he is establishing his kingdom and he's saying you want to be part of the kingdom that the messiah has come to build live by these principles and you will be part of that kingdom you will be living in this kingdom right so we we've been tracking through this where are we at what what's the next big virtue or 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 beatitude that we see echoed into this sermon yeah so we are in matthew 6 so we're we're about halfway uh through this sermon we're on part three of a three-part series and we're halfway through (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And by halfway, I mean, you know, halfway word wise, you know, okay. if you were to take a word count of the sermon, you know, we're about halfway through the word count of that sermon. Uh, but yeah, we, we spent quite a bit of time on, on, on the Beatitudes, you know, um, but yeah, we're halfway uh, through this sermon and we've talked about, um, you know, eye for an eye and outward righteousness and the whole motif that Jesus used with you've heard, but I say, right. Um, and now we've reached the point where Jesus um basically gives another hard-hitting teaching and he echoes back to the beatitudes with it and we find it in matthew 6 verses 14 and 15 he says for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins it's a hard statement. It is a hard statement. And I think it echoes back to the fifth beatitude, which is blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And if you remember back to that beatitude episode, the one who is showing mercy is God. Right. Right. Uh, God is the one who is showing mercy to those who practice mercy. Um, and so if you want to unpack that beatitude, you definitely want to go back to that beatitude episode. Um, but we are called to be merciful. And so when you when you see Jesus unpack this beatitude and he gives a concrete example of this beatitude and he says, look, uh, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you don't, well, why would you expect God to do that for you so so often as a pastor you know people will bring me this verse mm. and they'll be very upset by it because some people have done incredible evil to them mm -hmm. pastorally we can tie it back to that beatitude but pragmatically mm. how does this work in the life of a believer Right. That's, um, that's a really good question. And I think it becomes difficult pragmatically in part because again, right. Jesus is trying to put our spiritual bankruptcy <laughs> at the forefront. Right. right. He's trying to be hard. He's trying to talk about the extreme. Right, exactly. But the way we define mercy, you may remember this back a couple episodes ago, mercy is this idea of, of helping those who, who can't help themselves. And so the way God treats us, right? He sees us as sinners. We are in desperate need of his help and God is willing to help us in our in our condition right we can't help ourselves and so we can only rely on god right who can who can help us so forgiveness in this context if i'm hearing you correctly forgiveness in this context is about extending mercy to a person who can't help their circumstances not to a person who continues to victimize others Right. Because even God's mercy isn't unlimited, right? Implicit in this He has verse, wrath. Right. Yeah. Implicit in this verse is the idea that God could stop showing mercy if he wanted to. Right. It, it is implicit in here. Right. Um, you know, and so, yes, uh, when we forgive, we should forgive like God does. But that forgiveness is offered to those who again, going back to the first two Beatitudes, who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy and call out for mercy, right? They, they cry out to God and they mourn to God 
because of their spiritual bankruptcy. Those are the people that are shown mercy. So penance is required for God's mercy, for God's forgiveness. You can reject God's forgiveness. So repentance is the way we access that forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so repentance is something for there to be restitution of relationship between humans that is needed. Mm -hmm. And one of the things pastorally I've said to people about this verse, because I'd, I'm not going to belabor this verse, but I, I would assume that my listeners struggle the same way my parishioners struggle with this verse. True repentance is needed to access God's forgiveness. The same is true in human relationships. And so you can only do your part of the equation. You can't do the reformation part of the equation of the other person. And so in testing myself against this virtue, I don't ask the question, is this person restored to the same place in my life as they once had? But rather, is my desire and heart towards them that they be a part of God's kingdom somehow, some way, even if our relationship has run its course, mm -hmm. right? So I'm thinking it's the social worker side of me, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it, it's saying my heart has to be that I want this person to be saved, that I want this person to be in relationship with God and that this is a hard standard, even in my heart to make right because of the level of abuse somebody may have showed towards me. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean I have to give that person access to repeat that behavior because it, as you said implicit in the statement is that god doesn't have to keep showing mercy and that there is a limit to god's mercy Eventually, unconditional yes. love is not unconditional mercy mm -hmm. <laughs> you know Correct. he forgives and he punishes <laughs> right and there can be breaches of relationship the question is even if my relationship is forever breached because of some atrocity that happened, my desire is to still see that person, even if it's not my role, restored to God into the, his kingdom virtue again. Hmm. Is that fair? I mean, I, I might be going outside of the exegetical bounds of this sermon. Well, yeah, we're, we're, tr we're grappling with the principle and trying to apply it. Right. Are there things that people can do to us that seem unforgivable? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, are there are there people who manipulate and abuse their the relationship system. with us? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and and take advantage of our mercy, mm. just like there are people who take advantage of God's mercy. But I keep thinking back to when Moses was mm -hmm. hiding in the cleft of the rock mm -hmm. and because he asked to see God, right? And then God passes in front of him and it talks about how God is, is merciful and forgiving. But then it also says, but by no means clearing the guilty. Right. Absolutely. Right. Uh, and so we have this tension. Right. Of how God forgives mercy. Yes. Of mercy and and justice. Right. Uh, and, and they live they live in tension. And in order. Right. For God to be merciful, he ultimately took on the punishment of the offense right, right. Uh, jesus died on the cross and in doing so he took the punishment that we deserved mm. but he took it upon himself he bore the burden of that sin mm. and that is what enables him to offer us forgiveness mm. and so when we look at it in a practical sense, yes, to offer forgiveness, we, in a sense, we do have to bear the burden of the offense. Right. It right? can't go backwards. You can't go back. Right. You can't erase it. Uh, you can't, you, you may not, in some cases, you may not be able to get rid of the trauma that it caused. Right. But you bear that offense. 
so that you can offer forgiveness. And yes, there are people who will abuse that and, and who may even throw it back in your face. I've seen church members do this and they're just like, what about forgiveness? Right. What about mercy? Um, and my response to those people is if you have to throw that in my face, you're using it. Right. You're using it. That's how we know when it's manipulation. Right. Exactly. Because a person that's truly repentant and truly sorry for what they've done, they don't have to be throwing that in your face. Right. <laughs> they don't have to be, they don't need to be manipulating the situation like that to force you into giving them forgiveness. And so our forgiveness should reflect the forgiveness that God offers us. Is God willing to forgive? Absolutely. And our forgiveness should, should reflect God's forgiveness. But there comes a time when God says, you have not repented. You have not mourned your spiritual bankrupt situation. Right. He calls you out on your spiritual manipulation. Right. Um, and, and we see examples of that in scripture right there is limits to god's mercy hey god um, sends his own nation away mm -hmm. into a 70 year jail sentence right it's what gave us second temple judaism right, right. second <laughs> temple judaism is a direct result of god saying look my mercy uh, you is know, limited we need a time out here <laughs> exactly <laughs> right? we, like, and, and there are whole verses in the old testament where god's like i can't even look at you i'm turning away from you you know mm -hmm. because i can't be with you at this moment mm -hmm. right um and and later on in the book of numbers right when god gets angry at the nation of israel again moses has to quote back to god what he saw in the cleft of the rock. He said, Lord, you are merciful and forgiving. And Moses intercedes, right? Which is a beautiful picture right. of, of Jesus, right? Hmm. Um, and and he, he, he says, God, right? This is who you are. This is who you are. So and I sense what we're saying is this forgiveness stuff is not supposed to be easy. It's not. You're right. And this forgiveness stuff must be divinely arbitrated even on earth. Right. Yes. But I think that where, whenever possible, we should look to forgiveness as an option. Right. So our spiritual disposition mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. towards forgiveness. Yes. But it may not always be practically possible just as when God sent Israel into captivity in Babylon, it wasn't possible to actually redeem them at that moment. They, they needed a chance to recognize their spiritual bankruptcy and to cry out to God to mourn, right? It goes back to those first two beatitudes. Yeah, um, I, I, I so. wanted to go all friends and, and say, you know, go all Ross and Rachel and say, you know, they were on a break, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and, and taking that analogy even further, you know, you go on a break, hopefully, right, to see your need for each other right? right to see the to to see the value of the of the relationship that you have right um so yeah i mean it's a good analogy uh for sure you know god there needed to be a break there needed to be a moment for israel to say hey you know maybe there was something to having a relationship with god and i recognize now why <laughs> um god asked for a break Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, which is the whole point of of the Pharisees right? right? and the Essenes. Right? right. They were all about like, you know, we messed up big time. Let's try not to mess up anymore. Of course, they took it too far. Right. And it became more about the law than about these virtues that Jesus right. is is trying to teach in the Sermon on the Mount. So, yeah, good stuff, you know, good stuff. Mm -hmm. As we move on into uh, this sermon, as we move on from, from there, Jesus then 
um, talks about storing our treasures in heaven. So uh, this is uh, this is still in Matthew six uh, verses twenty and twenty one. Jesus says, "But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, mm-hmm. where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And if you continue down into that sermon, we hit Matthew six thirty three, where Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. And by things, he talks about, you know, what you will wear, what, where you will sleep. Right. Uh, but if you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. When I look at this section of the sermon, I see that Jesus is echoing back to that fourth beatitude, where he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where there aren't any moths, where there aren't any rodents, where there isn't any thieves I don't need a 401k I don't need to have a retirement plan is I mean like that's a literal reading yes I you know if if you if you literally read the words of Jesus you may think of it as all right uh I'm not going to save my money I'm just gonna live day by day and seeking you know righteousness right so god's social security plan is greater than social security check i will draw i mean yes but (laughs) you know yes it, it is greater and it is better but the god's social security plan only applies in the eschaton Right. <laughs> oh, oh I, I hear what you're saying now. You're you're saying that I might not be able to collect. You will, but you know, eventually. I think I think God's provision does apply here and now. There are elements to God's provision. God. Um, God does give us good things, um, but I think when we under when we try to understand this text, what he's doing is he's what he's really comparing is earth versus kingdom. Ah, right. He's he's and he's saying, look, are you all about what this earth is about? There we go. Or are you all about what kingdom is about? Right, because in essence, verse 33 is very clear. Matthew 6, 33. It's it's not that you can't have a 401k. It's not that you can't even have, you know, um, a real estate investment. Or, I don't know, what are they called? Roth IRAs? What are, I don't know, I'm not a financial guy. It's, it's, it's not that you can't have those things is that those things don't have premacy over you the reason for your existence those things are not the reason you're here those things don't come first right when god is first when his righteousness is first when you know i hunger and thirst to be like him, then my financial investments won't necessarily be about the bottom dollar. Mm. They they may include the bottom dollar. You and I were talking about off off show about the importance of institutions having a sense of financial responsibility. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not that the bottom dollar is not important in your household, in your church, in your school, in your organization. But it's that it's not the first importance. Mm-hmm. 
The first importance is, am I living by kingdom virtue? Right. Am I living by kingdom ethics? Yes. Can I have this investment and still give to these needy widows and these needy children and this orphanage and, you know, what whatever things God puts upon my heart? You know, mm-hmm. or am I going to say I, I can't help my, you know, this is what the Pharisees were guilty of, right? I can't help my impoverished parents. I have to let them starve in their hut because, you know, I'm an important Pharisee and I got to go do Pharisee stuff, right? Jesus like literally comes down on them for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think who Jesus is addressing here are the Sadducees. Um, okay. Tell me number about one, that. number one. Sadducees didn't believe in an afterlife. And, and here Jesus is affirming the existence of an afterlife. Nice. And, and number two, the Sadducees had manipulated the religious system for financial gain. True. So, so Jesus is they were the priesthood. Yeah, they were the priesthood. And they had manipulated the priesthood so that they could become rich. Right. This whole thing about forgiveness for them had become a bottom dollar thing, right? Right. So, exactly. So, um, you know, when somebody, I think we talked about this in a previous episode, but if somebody were to come to the temple with their own animal for sacrifice, the Pharisees had manipulated it so they can find something wrong with that animal. And then they had their own pre-approved animal that they would then charge a premium price for so that those people could offer their sacrifice. Now, again, again, you also have to think about the fact that some of these people had brought their animal from faraway places. Right. It's not like they could just go home and get and get a better sacrifice from from their animals. Right. You know, they they had maybe traveled several days to come and offer this sacrifice. And so and so they're at the mercy of these priests and they had set and they had set it up so they can gain financially from here. Right. So so there's nothing wrong that if someone needs an elam and they want to make an atonement at the temple and they need an elam. And I have an elam. There's nothing wrong for me to charge the person for the elam that they want to use at the temple. And in essence, all they would be doing is supporting the temple redemption work. The problem is that they have set up the system to reject the elam or 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 the bull or the goat or the turtle dove that they're bringing so they can sell them the Elam, right? So there's nothing wrong with turning an honest profit, Mm -hmm. but even an honest profit is unethical if that profit is more important to you than hungering and thirsting after the righteousness of God. Right. So will I get a fair turn on my investment and helping my brother is different than setting up a system where I manipulate my brother into turning my profit. Right. So again, uh, Sadducees are like, there's no afterlife. So my whole point for living is to maximize my life here and now, no matter what. And Jesus is specifically saying is no. That's the wrong way to think. It is not about the here and now. The idea of you only live once is not a true saying, right? YOLO is a resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> YOLO is not a thing in, in Christ's kingdom, right? <laughs> and he says, you're not going to live for this life and for this life only. You need to live for the next life. And in this life, Right. If you want to if you want to prepare for the future. Yeah. You need to store up and you need to save and you may even do it in a sketchy way or in a way that takes advantage of other people. But Jesus says, if you want to store treasures in heaven, then it's about righteousness. It's about personal righteousness and it's about 
justice for other people in the kingdom as, as well. And if you're if you are setting yourself up to win on this earth and on this planet only, then your priorities are wrong because it's about winning in the next kingdom, the kingdom that the Messiah has come to set up. So if I was to try and summarize this portion of the sermon, you tell me if this paraphrase is fair or not, Dr. Professor PJ. (laughs) Financial gain is not the problem. Financial gain at the expense of righteousness, degrading righteousness or degrading the experience even of the kingdom of God on earth is not a sound eternal investment plan. Bingo. You're going to bankrupt your 401k before you cash it. Right. So the better investment plan, according to Jesus, is righteousness or justice plus financial suaviness. (laughs) But righteousness and justice being first. Yes. In all of my investments and practices. Right. Because if if all that you've gotten was as a result of scamming people and cheating people, then then your priorities are wrong. Yeah, so that's a great point, Jonathan. I think I think we have some clarity there. It's like we're investing in God's kingdom, not our kingdom. Right. Because so much a lot of people they have this doggy dog mentality. Right. They're like, I'm going to come out on top no matter what. And that is really the philosophy that Jesus is attacking. It's not about doing whatever you want as long as you come out on top, because the reality is you will come out on top if you do things righteously. Right. This is the same preacher who said, if you want to be first, if you want to be on top, You have to be last. You have to be mm-hmm. on the bottom, right? Like, mm-hmm. like. but if you seek to be on the top, you're going to be on the bottom. And if you seek to be on the bottom, I will lift you to the top, right? Like, that's his right. philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's and, exactly and a very it. good example of what we were talking about earlier, that when we understand the Sermon on the Mount, it unlocks the power of what Jesus is saying that when we understand the central teaching of Jesus, we see it echoed back in other teachings he gives. Mm-hmm. And so this becomes the clearest declaration of what his virtue is. Right. Exactly. Um, and so we go back to that beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's a deep longing, a deep desire for righteousness. And it is so deep and it is so longing that you will do what is right, even if it doesn't benefit you. you it's will, the better investment, even if it, it doesn't benefit you, right? Exactly. Even if it doesn't benefit you here on earth, it is better investment to do what is right, to seek righteousness to thirst for righteousness to hunger for righteousness and then right. jesus says all these things will be added unto you right well. right <laughs> so, it, so it's this balance right right so so what may be a net red in in your pocketbook like you're balancing your your your, your financial gains what what might come out red in your financial gains on earth may put you in the blue in God's ultimate retirement throughout eternity plan for you. Exactly. What is negative in your wallet could be positive in your 401k. Yes. And for those in ministry, that's the only positive we're going to have in any (laughs) retirement plan. But... (laughs) 
Especially. At least we got the good plan. We got the gold plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. The gold plan. And and this is why Jesus can say things like, you know, don't worry. You know, don't um don't focus too much on these temporal things. It's not that he doesn't care about them, right? Uh he does care about them. But he says, don't worry, because I'm bringing in a kingdom. And if you've invested right, you're going to be part of that kingdom and you will be taken care of. Um, Of course, that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care about earthly things, because he even talks about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And, you know, he will take care of things here on earth as well. Um, But the thing about living in in God's kingdom, the thing about living according to these principles is that it's it's always about the here and the not yet, right? They live in tension, right? There's the here and now, and then there's the future kingdom. And I have to care about both, but if I have to make a choice, I'm going to go with eternal versus temporal. Temporal's important, but there's more than temporal. Mm-hmm. And we and 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 a true person of the kingdom understands that. Right. right? It's not that temporal isn't important. We mm-hmm. do need to eat. We we do need to take care of our elders. We we there's nothing wrong with having nice things. Mm-hmm. It can just never be number one. Right. We have to put it in check because righteousness and God's kingdom should be number one. Right. Right. So Jesus moves on, right? Again, this sermon is jam packed. Like we could, like you said, we could spend a whole season just unpacking what Jesus is saying here. Um, But Jesus moves on, right? He, he, he like punches the Sadducees and now he moves on, right? (laughs) And he's like, okay, like who's gonna get in the ring next? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, who am I going to? Who am I gonna tear down their entire belief system? Um, and so he moves on, and now he talks about judgment. And I think here again, he goes back to the the Pharisees, right? So he punches the Sadducees, and now he switches his attention over back to the Pharisees because he says, Jesus says this. Matthew 7, verse 1, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use. It will be measured to you. And then he says, and he gives a a concrete example of this. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your own brother's eye. So it's not that I can't judge. I I, I can judge. I'm permitted to judge. Mm-hmm. But I will be judged by the effectiveness that I judge others, by the criteria that I judge others. So if I am a kind, compassionate judge, I will be judged kindly and compassionately. Mm -hmm. But if I am the sawdust, uh, speck-seeking, you know, hyper-judgmental type, then that's the way I will be judged? Correct. By others or by God? Well, the implication here is is by God. Ouch. Ouch. Because like Christians, like we do potlucks really good and judging. Like Yeah. And and, and sometimes we do those things together good. Yeah. Like we judge yeah, people exactly. at the potluck. You know at what I'm saying? Potluck. Yep, exactly. So you, you you know, you're saying he's swiping at Pharisees, but but I'm thinking he's swiping at Christians. Yeah, well, <laughs> today, this would be hard-hitting for a lot of Christians. Well, yes. Right. Particularly the way Christians talk about some non-Christians, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and not only in the way that Christians talk about non-Christians, but if you were to apply that same standard 
back to the Christian, they would have to weasel out of it. They would have to explain the standard away. And this is what God is attacking, right? He's like, how dare you set up a standard to use against your quote unquote enemy or undesirable or person that you want to attack, right? How dare you set up a standard to attack someone else and then pretend like the standard doesn't apply to you. Hmm. <laughs> Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. This whole idea of dishonest scales, right? Dishonest scales is more than just gold. It's more than just silver, right? Dishonest scales is judging someone by a different standard than you would judge yourself. Hmm. Hmm. So I need to, when I see someone that I am just like itching to judge, when I see someone that I am just, you know, I, I, I see them and they need to be set right. And someone needs to set them right. And, and, and this cannot go on. And so like, I'm going to take it upon myself and I'm going to go and I'm going to find them and I'm going to set them right. Cause clearly they are in the need of some education and they are in the need of some education and some rebuke. My first step should be to go alone and talk to God and ask God not what to say to them. Ask God not what's wrong with them. Ask God not to help me get through to them, but to ask God what's wrong with me. Mm. Did I feel that way? Mm. And ask God to help me see myself the way I see that other person. Mm. That sounds like some radical Christianity. It is. It is radical Christianity. Actually, no, it's not radical Christianity. It is what Christianity is supposed to be. It is the kingdom that Jesus came to set up. It is only radical because we have taken the teachings of Jesus and we've tried to manipulate them and we've tried to soften them so that we can be comfortable but I thought I thought Christianity was about me being right and me telling non-Christians where they're wrong. Or is that just what we do, not what it's about? I think that's the role of the Holy Spirit. Oh, so that that means when Christians go about judging others, mm-hmm. they're committing a blasphemy? Yeah. We're taking we're taking a task that belongs only to God and we're taking it upon ourselves. Right? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> um, Jonathan, yeah. you promised me he was going to hit Pharisees, not Christians. I mean, you told me that. Maybe there's a lot of Pharisees in Christianity. It's not wrong that I judge, but if I want to be judged least or best or most favorably, when I'm ready to judge or feel the need to judge, I should ask God first what's in my heart and ask God, am I guilty of the same things in different ways? Mm-hmm. If you're going to judge, right? Well, yeah, if, but that's, that's our job, right? Right. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're going to judge, make sure you're being fair. And I think that's the point. That that, take, that's taking all the fun out of it, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's fun. It's fun to judge other people. It's fun to put other people down because it makes us feel better about ourselves. But this sermon is not about making us feel better about ourselves. It's about helping us understand our spiritual bankruptcy so that we cry out and mourn to God as a result of it. It goes back to those first two Beatitudes. You can't get away from those first two Beatitudes. You just put a lot of comedians out of work or out of the church. One of the two. (laughs) I'm not sure which it is, but I mean, like a whole genre of comedy is based on pointing out how stupid people are and how absurd they are. But what you're telling me is that when you see stupid and absurd people and you want to go criticize them, it's actually God telling you that's what you're like. Go talk to me about it. Mm. Yes, exactly. And then it goes back to blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy because because when we are merciful, 
towards those that we intend to judge, when we become fair and treat them the way we want to be treated, then it's about, then all of a sudden, right? It's about us. So this is the golden rule in cause and effect, Mm -hmm. right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Judge unto others as you would have God judge unto you. Mm -hmm. Bingo. Exactly. This Jesus guy, man, he's tough. (laughs) This Jesus guy, man, I don't think he can get a preaching assignment in many of our churches. Which is why I think Jesus ends the way that he does. He ends his sermon creating a divide. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, he, he ain't getting. They're not. Call, they're not calling him back for the spring revival. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He's no, not getting yeah. any camp meeting appointments, right? Like he's he he he's not gonna go on tour with Rob Bell and Oprah, right? Like like, like yeah, he knew he had one chance, and he took to the shot. Get it out, and and he took it. Right, this was his chance, and he took it. And so he ends his sermon basically saying what everybody's thinking, because now he's created this division, right? There are those who will live by these principles and enter God's kingdom, and there are those who will not. Mm. And so he says in Matthew 7, verse 13, he says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Hmm. So he, he ends this sermon by having everybody understand that you're only in one of two groups. You either live by this constitution of this new kingdom or you're on your way towards destruction. I mean, your citizenship your passport is either stamped with kingdom virtue mm-hmm. or you still reside on a ball of rock that's coming to a collision course of destruction. Mm-hmm. But if I live by kingdom virtue, that I am not claiming the things of this world, judgmental attitudes, financial success, exploits of oppression and lust, but rather the things of kingdom investments. Mm -hmm. In as the apostle Paul would say, God will not be mocked. Right. What you reap, you will sow. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, lay up your treasure in the right place. Make your investments in the right place. Anyone can live for a world that is going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit harder, or he would use the word narrow, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. To live by virtues of not the kingdom that is, but the kingdom that's coming. And if you live by, now I, I could be not getting this correct, And so I'm looking to you to correct me. It's harder. It's more narrow. The road is trickier, but that's the point. The point is to live. You know, you're living by kingdom virtue, by kingdom ethics. When the road is so treacherous Mm. and filled with difficulty that you cry out to God, out of your spiritual poverty Mm -hmm. and you're back at beatitude number one. Mm -hmm. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Yeah. And the thing about living according to these principles, the reason it's difficult, the reason it's narrow is number one, we are so spiritually bankrupt, like we don't think this way. And so because we don't think this way, it's not how we react to situations. And so that's why these sayings are hard, are hard hitting. But those of us that do attempt to live this way, we will shine. But in so shining, right, this goes back to the beginning of Jesus' sermon where he talks about light on a hill, right? City set salt. upon a hill, right? Yeah. And, and, and salt, this idea of saltiness and light. When we shine, 
When we live by these principles, we shine. But that also puts a target on our back. Hmm. Because people will not like it. Hmm. it. They won't like it because one, it makes them look bad. Mm-hmm. And they will not like it because they do not want to live in a spirit of repentance, in a spirit of recognizing their own spiritual bankruptcy. And I think that's why Jesus added the beatitude, the last one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we live this way, people will hate it. People will hate it. But living this way is the right way. Right. So this is not blessed are those who are persecuted because they've been jerks to their neighbors. Mm -hmm. This is not blessed are those who are persecuted because of their political affiliation or ideology. This is not blessed are those who are persecuted because of whatever denomination they've chosen. This is not those who are persecuted for all those things that we might equate with our identity. Mm-hmm. This is blessed are those who are persecuted because they shine, because they reflected God's glory, because they lived and walked on a different path because they wanted what God called them to mm-hmm. more than they wanted acceptance mm-hmm. amongst the ways of the world. The question that remains then is are we willing? Are we willing to conform our lives? to the messages of this sermon, to the principles outlined in this sermon? Are we willing to live by kingdom values and kingdom virtues no matter what? If we can't do that in churches, how can it be done anyplace else? Mm. This is why Jesus said, they will know you belong to me by the way you love one another, right? Yes. It's implicit in this sermon that it's not up to the Romans to do this to us so that we will do it to them. Mm-hmm. It's not up to the Greeks to do it to us so we'll do it to them. Mm-hmm. Right? It's up to us to live the narrow way, the way that the Romans are not going, the way that the Greeks are not going. And this is not about judging them. We've been through all that. This is about living with forgiveness in our heart, living with compassion in our heart, living with mercy in our heart, living with meekness in our heart, living according to these beatitudes so they might see the glory of God too. Mm -hmm. And maybe we've been a little bit hard at times in this presentation on the church in the way the church thinks sometimes, but so was Jesus in this sermon. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm just going to put it back on the listeners. I'm just going to put it back on, again, it's not a denominational thing. It's a kingdom virtue thing. If you're part of any system that doesn't let you live by these kingdom virtues in this sermon, you're not living according to the constitution of the coming kingdom. You're not living according to the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence from this world. Jesus is calling us for in the next. I think that's a wrap. You have been listening to a podcast produced by simplyvinny.com. Stop by our website, read our blog, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all that jazzy promotional stuff. But remember, I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you when life throws a monkey wrench at your head. Jesus is still the logo, the reason, the logic, the word that builds your life back all the way to the kingdom of God. Until next time, God will be blessing you. See you at the next podcast.